0: Welcome to the Mary D. Show. I'm your host, Mary D., here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and what it means to be in relationship with spirit so that we can feel whole and complete. I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most aligned, purposeful, and joy-filled life now. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Mary D Show. I have a super special guest for you today. And I know that you guys hear me talk about super special guests, but this one is extra special because she is basically my sister from another mister. Her name is Deanna Latson. For anyone that knows me and has followed me for any amount of time, you know that Deanna is a common conversation piece. She is a common person that I reference in my life because she is not just someone I've been able to do a lot of business with over the years. She is also a very, very dear friend. We do so much together, ski trips. I mean, she's my family, for lack of a better word. And I am so fortunate to have an incredible support system in my life. And she is definitely one of them. I brought her on today because she is, y'all, she is a badass. If you don't already know Deanna, you're going to want to get to know her. She has been a professional speaker. She spoke on the university circuit, spoke with collegiate athletes. She has run and grown a huge health company. And when I say huge, we're talking a merger to the tune of like 250 million plus So she has been a corporate executive, and there's so much you want to learn from her. And I brought her on today, and she's going to share some wisdom with us. And with that, Deanna, welcome to the show.
1: Mary, you are my family. Yeah. So it's happy to be here. I've been listening to your podcast.
0: You have such a wealth of knowledge to share, and you've been going through a transition period, and I think... That It's so timely because there are so many people out in the world and in this economy right now going through all kinds of transitions. Then there are the people who also want to transition out of that kind of big corporate space into their own calling. And I think that you're going to have lots of wisdom to impart on them. So thank you so much for showing up. And as you're, of course, vulnerable, authentic self, and it's going to be exciting to walk through some of these questions. So let's get right into it you have been a, you know, executive building a health-based company. So you all also know from a nutritionist point of view, Deanna is actually a certified nutritionist also. So she comes to everything from this mega like healthy, she's one of the cleanest eating people that I know. And she's someone who lives this, like this is the person she's always been that I've always known her for. Now she'll share a little bit about how she used to love McDonald's, but (laughs) that's not the case anymore. And with that, I want to start with, you know, what are some things that you wish you had known before
1: you started your health company? Let's just start there. That's a great question. What I wish I would have known. So I had an interesting entrepreneurial journey. I started off and I was going to be a professor And so I was teaching at the collegiate level for many years. And then I had my own business as a professional speaker. When I partnered with my partners, who are remarkable people, I guess what I wish I would have known, I wouldn't really have done anything different, but I wish I would have understood the complexities of business relationships. Because business relationships, in my opinion, especially when you partner with people in a company, are just as complex as intimates, marriages, relationships. Quite frankly, yeah. the parallels are the same because you mm. spend each other's money. You make decisions on that can impact the company and the growth. And if you look through all the different things that have happened over the 12 years of that company, where we took it from zero to 270 million dollars, I was the only wife. So it was like I had a wife and five <laughs> husbands, but we, we were all doing things that affected each other. So I wish I would have had a better understanding of the complexities in that because as also a person who's not married any longer, I would move into a new relationship very differently because I know what I want. I know what I don't. And I would take some of those same principles and move into a business partnership differently based on understanding behaviors.
0: How do you think you could go about knowing what those behaviors are? Because obviously we learn behaviors over time, right? Like it's the difference between, so you guys know in my first marriage, which I call my practice marriage because I was only 22, I didn't live with my husband before I married him and living with him was such a different environment than actually just dating him even for four years, but actually living with him made all the difference. Like suddenly there are all these things that didn't exist before that exist when you actually are living in a house day to day with a person. So what are those behaviors? How can we speed up that timeline or ask better questions to find out what those things are in the beginning?
1: Really, it's about asking better questions because it's about asking questions that are intimate level questions that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. I would want to know your financial stability. I I just do. Because if you go into a business relationship with someone who's in financial hardship versus someone who's not, that's going to show up depending on the growth of the company. I would want to know your if you're a litigious human or not. Mm -hmm. If you got divorced, why? I want to know intimate details about you because building a business is an intimate affair. So I'd want to know those things to help me make better value-based decisions, not just how you acted in business. Because in business, when we become partners, there's going to be hard times and good days and bad days and sad days and scary days, just like an intimate relationship. So if you just ask business questions or you're just looking at the numbers and you're not getting down to the human, you have no idea how they're going to show up. I was very lucky. My business partners, for the most part, with the exception of one that left early on because his values showed up, and then another one that showed up a little bit differently. But for the most part, we all shared very similar values. So we got lucky, but I would ask more intimate questions. Any question I asked, I was also willing to answer.
0: Yeah, and I think that's also it too, right? It's understanding everyone's communication style. And also, how quickly can we get to the point where we can just say what needs to be said? without feeling like anyone's got to walk on eggshells or anyone's got to be too overly courteous in trying to do it where we're just trying to get stuff done. Like when we're in work mode, let's get into work mode and rock and roll and still be respectful. Like that can totally happen. I will say this too, because I'm listening to you give that advice and thinking also over my own work history and how same thing. I am almost always the only woman in the room or at that table. And like, what does that mean? Like what happens there? And so my question for you would also be, How do you not get sucked in to showing up in too much of your masculine at a table that's already very masculine? How do you still show up and show your value as a feminine energy and a woman in the group that's ready to like wield your power, but not in a way that necessarily emasculates anyone?
1: Everyone knows the stereotypes of women. So if a woman is assertive in the business, then she's bossy. So some of the lessons I've learned along the way of being often the only female executive is I don't apologize for being assertive. I just don't. I'm also really authentic. But I think it also comes back to, I'm not trying to be a version of someone else's opinions to be successful. So I'm me. And sometimes that means I'm more in a feminine side. Sometimes I'm more (laughs) in a masculine side. I'm okay with saying no to what doesn't make sense for me. So I guess it comes back down to, I know my values and I really understand what my unique kind of special sauce about me is and how that has given me a lot of advantages in my careers and all the different ways I've been successful in my different businesses. And so I guess it comes down to being clear and knowing that and feeling confident enough to stand in that version of who I know I am. Yep,
0: yeah, that definitely resonates with me. I would say that it's the difference of showing up confident versus showing up egotistical. And I think that's the beauty of it is that's oh, how we sure, yeah, that's right? how we soften that. But absolutely, and, you know,
1: a lot of times women feel like they have to act like men, or in the workplace, I never try to act like anything except myself. Yeah. And sometimes different versions of myself come out and sometimes it's more masculine and sometimes it's more feminine. Sometimes it's more bossy or sometimes it's more authentic. Parts of me come out just as we're all unique as human beings. I've always led with transparency.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yes, you know exactly what you're getting. I say the same thing. What you see is what you get. What advice do you have for the men? who actually can acknowledge that they probably have that woman in their group. There is another lady boss that's amongst all these men and she's sitting at the table. What is a way that they can make her feel more respected, included, and also honored for bringing her feminine wisdom to the table?
1: Several things. If I was coaching men in that area, first of all, trying to understand their own stereotypes and their own language with themselves. And how does that come out in the workforce? For men, I think it's embracing the benefit of that type of diversity and what mm-hmm. that brings to the table. So if they're having, if men are having a hard time with a strong female leader in their company, I would first run them through an exercise of everything that she's great about because everyone has their great side. Okay, then what? what's hard for you? Do you feel bossed by this woman? Why? Why is it bossy and not just assertive like another man? Or what can you do to break those communication barriers and run them through that type of exercise? But here's the reality is women have strong purchasing power out in the world. Very strong purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And as male executives welcome in diversity, not only gender diversity, but race diversity. And if they welcome in that diversity, it's going to give them more input to what a strong buying power all over the world is. And that's women. Women buy for their families and women buy for the children. And they're probably right. the strongest buyers out in the world. And if you can remember that, if any, any male executives who are struggling with stronger female presence can remember that, they can see it and utilize it as a resource.
0: Absolutely. One thing that I really admire about you is the fact that you have been able to really navigate those waters of being high-powered executive amongst your group of partners who are all male, also a single mom, also the breadwinner, also amazing friend and sister. So talk to me about how you live a balanced life? Like what does balance mean to you? Because I know family is up on your values ladder. How do you make it all happen? How do you still show up for, you know, your kid's piano recital and also run a multi million dollar company?
1: I don't believe in balance. I, I don't like the term. I don't like the word. I think people strive to hit a balance and it's unrealistic because I believe in season. So for me, if you're a new entrepreneur and you're starting off your business, if you don't realize that that's going to take a significant amount of your time and energy, that's really just not the time for balance. You're in the grind of it. And so what I like to do and say, what are the different seasons in your life? And seasons allow for different focus and time constraints. A lot of people like to talk about balance, but I think the concept itself really messes with people and messes Mm -hmm. with people in the wrong way, because then you'll have men and women that feel guilty that they're not spending enough time with family, but they're in the season of a startup. It's unrealistic Mm -hmm. to think you can achieve balance in your life at that moment, you know, because that's not the season. I prefer to break down life in seasons And realize that the scales change and dip and things happen, you know, at different times. And I've been in a season where I've been traveling a ton, you know, a lot, six months out of the year. I didn't have much balance in that moment, but it was necessary to fulfill my purpose and my dream. And I also taught my children a ton about business and life. And I included them and discussed what was going on in my life with them. And then the season changed as business became more successful and I hired smarter people and I became a better manager of large international teams. Seasons changed and it allowed Mm -hmm. for more flexibility because I got better at what I was doing.
0: Absolutely. And I want to really encourage the bosses out there, male or female. When you are in a growing company and you start to feel that pressure where you feel like you are torn in 80 different directions, that's a great opportunity and a great sign for you to go, "Ooh, I can start delegating to people who are smarter than me. I can start hiring people who are smarter than me to take some of these things off my plate because they're going to do it better. And it's going to be the responsibility that now I still oversee in a way, but I don't have to be directly involved with so that I can also live my life and not feel overwhelmed in my business. Would you say that that's been, you know, true for you also in your career? Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. And in the beginning
1: yeah. of starting our own company, I was more of a micromanager and you, listen, one of the things I wish I had coaching on early on in my life is how to manage people, and mm-hmm. how to hire smarter than you. Because I think for young people who are starting out, who maybe don't have the level of confidence I walk through my life with, I think subconsciously make choices to hire people that aren't smarter than them. I've learned that I look for people smarter than me because I know the value I bring to the table and it's not going to affect my value as a person. If I could go back and do something different, I would have had coaching on how to be a better manager. I had some large teams that I oversaw. You know, I oversaw all mm-hmm. of marketing for a public company, all of R&D and quality, big teams. And so yeah. when I got good at learning how to put together KPIs and have accountability and create team culture and to trust in the team I had, because you can't trust in your team, you got the wrong team. Right. So I had built the right team because I was far enough from my career to know how to do that. And once I built the right team, then that put me in a different season of my career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It can be all the difference, actually, between growth and stagnancy and failure for that matter. So for those of you struggling from the leadership seat at all, or if you look around your team and you're like, wow, these are all people I would have a beer with, but they're not people I seem to be able to run a productive business with, then there's definitely some holes in your hiring. Let's have a conversation about that.
1: Could be holes in your management, and because totally. of accountability, how are you holding people accountable? Are you yep. clear and concise with what you want to get done? You might hold the big vision, but you aren't clear in your communication to the people that are working right. for you. And so, if right. you're not clear in the communication, you're expecting the people who work for you to take a guess on what they need to do to be able to move the company forward. And so, there's right. so many factors to it. Maybe you're not good at hiring. Lots of people aren't good at hiring. Maybe you struggle in communications. The team isn't as productive as it could be. The lessons I learned over the last fourteen years in yeah. running teams, and I ran teams that were international. So you have cultural differences. So mm-hmm. I had folks in Europe, and I had folks in China, and folks in yes. Japan, and folks in Mexico. You have to learn the cultural nuances, of right? On top right. of It's the regular like, oh, how do I become a better manager?
0: That's right. Yes. I was literally sitting down to lunch with the CEO this week and we were having the conversation because it it was him and it was his integrator. And we were talking about the communication piece and how so many companies, especially when it's a solopreneur starting to really come into their own in their business, that sometimes they're so busy doing what they're doing that they forget to stop and share the vision with everyone in the business so that everybody can be on board. Everybody can be on the same train. Everyone understands why you're doing what you do. When you allow your organization to actually understand by communicating it well, as Deanna is saying, this is where people understand what you're doing. And because now they're catching the vision They can really help move it forward versus walking to a business where people are a bunch of order takers, but they're not really clear on why they're doing what they're doing. You're like, I'm moving too fast to tell you what's going on. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. You've got to communicate with your people. You have had a extensive speaking career. Anybody can go Google you and you are everywhere on the Internet because you've had so many speaking engagements over the years. And so you all know originally how I know Deanna. My company at the time was doing wealth seminars. We had a health component and we brought her in to be featured on our course as our health expert. She would come to every one of our events. So her and I got to travel the world together, share a lot of meals and experience life together in some really fun ways because she'd be at those events. That's kind of how we started to build our relationship. And she's amazing. She's really amazing on stage and she has a really beautiful way that she looks at like food and nutrition. And she's pretty strict in her eating. I will say that when I say strict, she is a vegan. And what I think is beautiful, though, is that you did that for yourself through some of your own kind of self-education. But also you've raised two very healthy vegan children, like vegan to the point that like they're not interested in even an egg. And so I feel like you've done a really masterful job of bridging the gap between where people are like, well, if you're vegan, you don't get enough protein. Like, I know vegans hate to hear that. Where's your protein come from? You're like from all kinds of things. If you guys could see Deanna's daughter, she's probably one of the strongest people I know. She's super fit, super strong. And also, you know, her son is super smart, super bright, also a a strong and sprightly kid who's athletic. Let's talk about health and wellness just overall. Like, I know that's a big value for you, but how did you come from being someone who like loved McDonald's, I think your go-to was like a, what was it? Like a chicken McNugget and a Coke?
1: Six-piece chicken McNugget, large fry, and a Coke. Oh, yeah.
0: So you went from that to you know where you are today with this really big consciousness around food. What's something that you know now that you wish you had known before you got on the McDonald's train? Because I think that's mm-hmm. an easy, quick fix that people tend to go to, especially when the day is busy. So Why do people make those choices? Why are they going to McDonald's instead of maybe a healthier burger choice somewhere else?
1: Okay, so that's a great question. But before I answer that question, I want to clarify something. I don't like labels, I don't like the label of vegan, vegetarian, any of that, because I meet a Mm -hmm. lot of vegetarians who eat Doritos all day and drink soda. So I predominantly in my home is vegan, but I eat eggs, which is not vegan. When I travel to Japan and other places, I'll eat non-vegan foods. What I choose, like my own personal label, is to say I'm a conscious eater. And so Mm -hmm. I make a conscious choice on a regular basis on what I'm going to consume. And so now my children, on the other hand, are much stricter, ironically, than me. When it comes to what they'll consume and they don't eat animal products, I mean, sometimes when we travel to France or something like that, they might have a croissant or something without caring so much what happens to be in that croissant in that moment to experience something culturally. But I look at, I prefer conscious eater. And both of my children, I think they've been on antibiotics once in their life and there's no pharmaceutical drugs. Will's 15, he's almost six feet tall. You know, Mm -hmm. they're strong, they're healthy people, but it comes from, I think, having a conscious life. They don't drink sodas, the big soda companies, the Pepsi-Colas or Coca-Cola companies. We don't have any of that. I said to my kids, what would you like to try at all? Because I didn't want to be that controlling. What do you want to try? And um, they would often take an offense to it. I remember when my daughter said, I'd like to try a Skittle, a Skittle. And I was like, well, let's get a bag of Skittles. But when you live a, a health-conscious lifestyle where you're eating clean, natural foods and those sorts of things throughout your mm-hmm. life, when you eat highly processed, artificial foods, you have a reaction. Mm-hmm. So even on Halloween, both my kids wish I would allow them to have whatever they trick-or-treated and got. They would both get mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their bodies are working perfectly. What do I wish I would have known on the early days? Here's the thing. It's not what I wish I would have known. It's what I wish I would have experience. Because what I notice with human beings in general is our food has a physiological effect on us. We have emotions around the smell of food. If I asked you to close your Mm. eyes or you smelled a pie your mom makes on Thanksgiving or something you celebrated with on Hanukkah or a birthday or Christmas, it brings out an emotional response. As children, so often we reward kids for doing a great job in their life with the food. Oh, let's mm-hmm. go have cake or let's go have ice cream or let's, it's food has been rewarded, right? As a reward yeah. system. So, with yeah. all of that emotion comes a physiological response in the body. Then, mm-hmm. when you take the food industry that off purpose, this is not a conspiracy theory. I have been in the industry. Oh, Purpose tries to create an addictive effect through certain preservatives, flavorings, whatever it might be in foods, through sugars. It spikes your blood sugars and then you're hungry again. There's there are who spend their entire life trying to get people not to just have just one. Right? So, how do you create that effect in the body? So when you take your emotional response of growing up with something. The reward system from that child being given food when you've done well. And then the chemicals in the food industry that creates an addictive response in the body are to addictive drugs. Mm-hmm. And the University of Florida did a great study with rats and sugar and its effect on the neurological system and the pleasure centers of the brain. And when you take and you put all that together... You have people that don't know why they can't resist it and they feel like they don't have willpower and then they beat themselves up and then they get into a vicious cycle. So I guess what I wish I would have experienced is the power of going through a detox, the power of eating differently, a power of having a support system to help me through that, because it's like going to rehab except on the food, you know, addictive scale. I wish I would have had the experience early on so I knew what it was like to be on the other side. Because when you get on the other side and you get off pharmaceutical drugs and you get off of all those chemicals and you get, then you realize, oh my gosh, how different do I feel in my life? And everybody wants to wake up and feel great. Fortunately, most people don't have support systems to be able to go through that, to really understand it. And most people wait until they get a negative health diagnosis yep. Yep. scares them with fear and the fear is stronger than the addictions and then they make a change. Right. So I guess if I was to give anybody advice, like get a support system, have accountabilities. If you want to make a change in your life, there's ways to do it because I know a lot of rich people that are trying to spend all their money to gain back their health.
0: It's not always something you can pay for this. This is the truth. How does a saying go? An ounce of prevention goes a lot longer than a pound yeah, of actually being unhealthy
1: in society.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We love everything. If, yeah. if look, we want a pill for everything. A pill,
1: put a bandaid over a problem. Yeah. And, and then people beat themselves up and they don't understand the addictive side of the food industry. And I guess if you understood it in detail, And you made a commitment with the support system to go through a detox or a food rehab or whatever you would want to call it. It doesn't take that long to get to the other side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what I hear you saying, Deanna, and I hope every one of you that are listening are catching this. It's that to make a real shift or a real change in your life, what you need is accountability. And many people aren't self-accountable enough or they just don't have maybe, let's call it willpower But when you add in the element of someone else holding you accountable to something or having a greater thing, a greater why to why you're wanting to create a change, that's when real change can actually happen. So for anyone out there that's like, hey, I've been trying to lose weight for a long time. I've tried all of these diets. Go get yourself a health coach. Go get yourself a friend who will hold you accountable, who will make you go on that hike every day, who will make you go to the gym every other day. You have to tell them what you ate for the day. And they share that with you. And that is where real shift and real change happens. And in order to stay in that, sometimes we need ongoing accountability. I would say that uh, I've seen this on the spectrum, especially to my friends and listeners. If you tend to have a more addictive personality, for sure, you probably go through spurts where you're amazingly disciplined and then you fall off the wagon. So those really high highs and really low lows, this is really where you benefit from having an accountability coach in all of this. An accountability coach will really help you change your behaviors and a support structure, whether that's a community or your group of friends or your family, whoever those people are, that can really continue to hold you with that. Right. So instead of going out to McDonald's with your group of friends, you want to find a group of friends that are like, hey, no, let's go out for a healthier choice.
1: There's also tricks.
0: Ooh, tell me the tricks.
1: When you learn the little body hacks, you can affect your cravings. Certain supplements that help control blood sugars, because if you're always spiking your blood sugars, you're in this very vicious cycle. So how do you do that? How do you control that? If you have high enough vitamin and mineral count in the body, that can affect cravings. And so we are, without a doubt, dictated by our hormones, dictated by our emotions. And sometimes willpower is impossible because we're controlled by this secret army of hormones and emotions in our body. So what can you do to fight back in a tricky way? There's ways to do that. I mean, that's a whole podcast on its own. You know, how chromium helps with blood sugars or or cinnamon and different things like that. And how sometimes those little body hacks can help what feels like impossible to have willpower. And sometimes it is impossible.
0: Got it. I love that. Yes, that does sound like it's a whole other episode. So we'll table the following questions for a different time. Before we wrap up today, I definitely want to talk about, because you have had such a successful specifically speaking career also, I think there's lots of people listening Uh who admire speaking. They would love to speak. Maybe they want to build confidence enough to get there. What is something that you wish you had known before you started your speaking career? What's like maybe one tip we at least let those folks walk away with today?
1: I've been speaking since I was little. So it's a part of my DNA and who I am. When I mean little, I was doing community service work and for years and just constantly standing up in front of people giving speeches. And then I got advanced degrees. And one of the first courses I ever taught was advanced public speaking at McCullin Air Force Base, for the male Air Force personnel. <laughs> and I was a young woman. I was like 20, yeah. 20 or 21. I was so young teaching those courses. And so I love the art of public speaking. When I started my speaking career, I was told by one of the best agents in the United States, a speaking agency that books speakers, that nobody would buy my topic. I was starting in the collegiate market and I was told that every college has a health center and they could just ask one of their nutritionists or their nurses to go give a presentation that no college is going to spend money hiring you to come in. So when it comes to speakers, I think if you are authentically yourself, like I knew in my bones that what I had to offer was different than the health center and the nurse, and they could never compete with me, right? So I was authentically myself. I mastered my craft. And in mastering my craft, that meant as a, I'm a better speech coach than I am even a speaker. But in mastering my craft, I understood how do you create emotion in the audience because people don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. Right. So how do you do that? And how are, do you have an authentic, real message that people can resonate with? Who's your audience? Once I created that, and so I would tell any new speaker, if you're not authentically yourself, good luck making it. Because people will see through that right away. And then the next thing I'd say, it's not easy, just like any other business, getting it off the ground. I started my career with other speakers at the same time. The difference is I had sticking power when it was hard. I knew I was on the right track, And even when I wasn't making money, I had sticking power because all business gets hard. And I knew I was, this was my destiny. I had something to offer. I had mastered my craft. And in doing so through the hard parts of speaking. And so I guess I would just tell anybody who wanted to start that, the a professional speaking career, it's going to take some sticking power because it doesn't happen overnight. And if you aren't mastering your craft as a speaker, it's going to be hard to have a long-term career.
0: Yep. Got it. Awesome. Well, one last juicy one before we leave today, because I think this is also important. You know, you've transitioned out of big corporate, got a lot of beautiful new things brewing for yourself in the future. What does this next chapter look like for you?
1: I just transitioned recently. You know, I went from being an entrepreneur, a professional speaker, to starting a business, to merging with a public company, to being an executive of that company, and to then that company get bought out and still be an executive and to now not being an employee anymore. So what does the next chapter have? I'm still figuring out, but here's the beauty, Mary. I didn't realize how bad it is for my soul if I am not surrounding people who are in alignment with my values. And so sometimes, you know when you get out of a bad relationship, you can look back and you go, oh, thank goodness, that relationship is over. How did I miss all those problems, right? I went from being a little upset and angry to being like, oh, I'm so grateful. And then so much is showing up for me. Other companies who share similar values and really want to make a difference in people's lives. New startup opportunities are showing up in my pair, consulting clients, just women in business or small businesses looking to have scale. And so I'm looking at all of that and now I'm directing my life based on I want to be around people I can have fun with because that's so important. People I laugh with because we're going to have hard times. Mm -hmm. I want to live my values always and not compromise on my values because that makes me who I am. I want to help other people do the same, live healthy, really healthy life, whether it's a healthy business life, a healthy financial life, a healthy health life. You happen to know this, but it's a little secret that I haven't let out to anybody. I'm even going to do a retreat, like an event, like a two-day event for entrepreneurs and business owners and working out all the details and the offerings because I'm so fortunate to be around some really remarkable people that have a lot to offer. And I know, Mary, you're going to, you're one of them, right? (laughs) In doing an event for people who want to see some growth in their life as we figure it all out. So this is the first time I've said it publicly. Yeah, yeah, fun. That kind of retreat slash event. And we're trying to work on the date and we're figuring out all the different agendas and offerings that are going to happen at that event. but. That's coming up too. So yeah, so I have so many options on my table. I feel lucky yeah. to do it, but it's because, like you, and you always have tons of options. Is I know who I am. I know my yes. secret sauce, and I love it. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one of the reasons we're also such great friends. Is we are both very sure about who we are, and we have that. You have your secret sauce. We sharing.
1: Share. And I know. We all know what our secret yummy. sauce
0: is, and then it's special. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're very delicious. We're delicious in that sense. Love it. Yeah. And, and so you all know, definitely more things around the retreat coming up for you. I wasn't fully ready to talk about it today, but, but the cat's out of the bag. So if there is actually a specific topic or if you know us or whether you don't know us, but you're like, ooh, I think you can teach me that, then share it and maybe we'll add it to the agenda and this will end up being the exact right retreat for you. There is definitely a wealth of knowledge between the two of us and I am actually secretly hoping I can pull Deanna into the consulting world because I have some great companies that I know would eat up your wisdom to Deanna. So throwing that hat in the ring.
1: Right. Awesome. And you know what? What a beautiful thing to be able to go in. I've lived my entire life helping people live healthier lives, right? And also doing yeah. leadership work. But how amazing to come into to a company that's doing good out in the world and help them to grow, grow financially, grow operationally. How amazing is that? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. So with that, I want to thank you again for being my very special guest today. You are a very special person to me. So thank you for, for hopping so on.
1: To me. Everyone listening yeah. to Mary D you must love her so much. She gives so much value <laughs> and wisdom all the time.
0: Amazing. Thank you. With that, folks, tune in next week for a new episode. And until then, may abundance always walk beside you. May joy always go before you and may love always guide you on your path. Also, you can check out my YouTube channel and pretty soon you will find me on Spotify TV. With that, have a great day. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me more at www.maryd.com. You can also catch us on YouTube at The Mary D Show. Head on over to Instagram and Facebook and type in at The Mary D and just look for the little blue check to ensure you're on my official page.